0: Welcome to Steel Stories by U.S. Steel. In this podcast, we explore the wealth of knowledge from leading industry experts to help you navigate the infinitely developing, renewable world of steel. I'm David Kirkpatrick, host of Steel Stories by U.S. Steel. Welcome. One thing we aim to do in this series of podcasts is help you understand more about steel itself how and where it's used, and why using steel makes a difference. The growing focus on sustainable construction, energy efficiency, and rising material costs is having a considerable impact on non-residential construction markets. But many companies are finding that they can get better buildings erected faster by using steel building systems instead of other methods. We recently sat down with Tony Buccoe, General Manager of the Metal Building Manufacturers Association, of which U.S. Steel is a member, to learn more about steel building construction. So let's get started. Thanks so much for being with us here on Steel Stories,
1: Tony. Thank you so much for having me, David. Glad to be here and look forward to chatting with you. Let me ask a little bit about the background there. What are all those banners behind you? So uh, the banners behind me are actually scarves. My side gig, besides running a trade association, is I am a soccer coach. So I coach travel soccer for kids, and I am also a big-time soccer fan. In my travels, I try to catch as many games in as many places as I can, and most of the scarves up here are from games in places that I've seen around the country and around the world. So uh, as I get them, I collect them. And back when uh, all of us set up our home offices, when the pandemic hit, I set up here in an old bedroom in my house, and I had this closet behind me with this nice curtain rod, and I had all these wonderful scarves, and I said, what better background to tell you a little bit about who I am than all my soccer scarves?
0: You know, the name of your organization in itself kind of gives me an interesting way for us to start. The fact that it has the word manufacturer in it says something very specific, and they say a lot of interesting things about the nature of the buildings that you represent. So, Just tell us a little bit about what the association does, and why is it called a manufacturing association?
1: Sure. So MBMA is a 67-year-old now trade association that represents the manufacturers of metal buildings in the United States, and a little bit into Canada and Mexico, but primarily companies that serve the U.S. domestic market. And these are companies who manufacture metal building systems. So it's a very particular type of steel construction that is pre-engineered, factory fabricated, and what we call optimized engineered so that all the uh, structure and framing members of the building are optimized to use just enough steel to minimize uh, waste on the building for that particular application, that particular design. So we're made up of 40 manufacturing companies around the country. Big companies that most folks have probably heard of, like uh, U.S. Steel, who is not a building manufacturer, but supplies steel to the industry. We're also made up of 65 associate members, and those are companies that supply materials to the industry. Like I mentioned, U.S. Steel would be one. Steel suppliers, insulation suppliers, door and window suppliers, et cetera, et cetera. That's who we are. Okay. So we're going to be
0: talking today about metal buildings and to some extent, metal roofs on a variety of different kinds of buildings and why that is such an important part of the American construction industry and the role that steel can play in the future of the American economy and to some extent, the world economy. So why don't we start out by you just giving us the case for steel?
1: Steel to me, the case for steel is number one, it is the strongest building material, bang for your buck, right? So you get out of the weight of steel that you put into a building, you get the maximum amount of strength which is the structure of the building compared to any other building material. The extension of that is it's also going to be the lightest building, again, pound for pound, to meet a certain building code or loading requirements, wind load, snow load. That's number one. Number two is steel is the most recyclable material that there is in the construction world steel is 100 percent recyclable so you know uh, the steel that we use in a building that we build today at the end of the lifespan of that building every bit of that steel can go back into the production chain and become new steel and there are no other competing building materials that can say that there are other building materials that have some environmental pluses and minuses but in the end at the end of life Steel is the one that, the term that I like to use, and it's become more common in the industry, is it's a circular product. It does not have a beginning and an end. It can be continually reused indefinitely. It doesn't lose any of its characteristics or strength when it's recycled. The next time it's used, it's going to be just as good as it was when it was uh, first produced. The third thing about steel is... It's a very flexible material. So, you know, what we do with metal building systems is we build the framework of a building. We build the skeleton of a building. So it's the steel structure that are the bones of that building. How you finish that building is completely up to you. So many of the buildings that we produce are finished by cladding them in steel panels. Either steel wall panels, steel roof panels, or both, but they can also be clad in any other type of building material that you want. So, you know, steel from our end as a skeleton, as a framework for a building, lends itself to the flexibility to make any type of building you want or you can envision and finish it any way you want. One thing I should give a caveat here, and I should have said this when I defined who we are, is Our particular construction type, the area of the construction industry that we service is non-residential, typically, although we'll talk a little bit about some of the residential applications. And it's also what we call low-rise, so one- to three-story buildings. Uh, So high-rise steel buildings, that's not us. Anything three stories and below, about 100 feet tall and below, that's our product. That's where we live.
0: And of course, buildings can be made much taller out of steel too, but by completely different means than the way your members make them. Correct. It's interesting to think of steel as the ultimate building material for the circular economy, which is really what you're saying. I think that's a good thing for us to keep in mind. So tell us some of the kinds of buildings that are made out of steel. I mean, we think of steel warehouses, maybe an airport hangar, or, or something we've seen along the side of a highway. But I know there's almost infinite range of other kinds of buildings that your members can manufacture and construct.
1: We're going to look at some of those later, but Give us some of the range here. Sure. You know, you touched on the ones that are the most common in terms of the sheer volume of buildings that our members produce and are also probably the things that folks think of the most when they think of metal building systems. So the things like warehouses and manufacturing facilities, you mentioned uh, hangars for sure. We, you know We love those buildings. We build a lot of them. We manufacture a lot of them, but they're definitely not the only uses for metal building systems. So any commercial building that is, again, in the size range that I discussed in the one to three story range, you can make out of a metal building system. And we do. Some common examples are pretty much any indoor athletic facility that you may have encountered. I'm a soccer guy. I spent a lot of time in indoor soccer buildings. Every one of them is a metal building system. So anytime you want to enclose a large square footage of space and you don't want to have a lot of framing members in the way, a metal building is a good option for that. Beyond that, we do a fair amount of uh, retail buildings. Most Dollar General stores that are built, most Costco stores that are built, O'Reilly's Auto Parts. And I mentioned those buildings because those folks are among the fastest growing chains in the United States nowadays, and they are able to keep up with that production rate and with that build rate because they rely heavily on metal buildings, which can be done very quickly. They're factory fabricated so they can get to site and be erected within a matter of weeks rather than months. And in the retail world, how quickly you can get the doors open and get the registers ringing is the critical aspect of the build. So there's retail. We do a lot of healthcare buildings. We do a lot of auto dealerships. We do a lot of uh, health and wellness centers. We do an area that's been uh, growing quite a bit lately are uh, craft breweries and distilleries. Those lend themselves to metal buildings. And we can talk about that uh, a little bit when we look at some examples of that, uh, some of the features that metal buildings bring to the table for a craft brewery and distillery. So those are just a couple examples for you, David. Terrific. Well, actually, the speed of construction
0: and delivery of the final product is really a critical aspect of what you do, especially in a fast-growing economy. I mean, we do want the economy to grow even faster, I guess, but these are perfect buildings for that. So I want to talk about that part of it because these are not exactly prefabricated buildings, but because they're quote-unquote manufactured, the elements are essentially built in a factory, right? And then brought to the site and in effect, assembled.
1: So why don't you tell us a little bit about the process of creating the building itself? Sure. You know, the distinction we like to make on that is back in the day when our product was in its infancy, and this is even before the association existed, so the roots go back to the First World War, and you've probably heard of Quonset Huts, and that's kind of the origin of our industry. And the Quonset Huts were these fabricated, standard-sized steel buildings that were very quick for the U.S. military to put up, and that's where the industry started. It stayed in that area of having these standard-sized buildings right into, you know, the Sears and Roebuck catalog, Days, right, where you could order a metal building, uh, you know, this size, this size, or this size right out of the catalog. Fast forward a little bit, and the industry evolved, and by the 1950s, most of the major manufacturers were now doing custom engineering. So it no longer was, hey, you can only order these three sizes of buildings. It's you tell me what you need, we will engineer it for you, and then we will manufacture it for you. The advantage on the speed of construction side still, even though it's custom engineered, is that it is completely factory fabricated. So when that truckload hits the job site, it is ready to be erected and assembled with just nut and bolt connections. So there's no welding on site. You have you know rafters and columns that come together. They're all bolted together. Uh, You have an erection crew who is experienced in our type of construction erection, and they can very, very quickly put up the bones of a building within a matter of days, and they're ready to start uh, putting exterior finishes on in a matter of weeks. So it's a much quicker process than most of our competitors.
0: Okay, now let me ask you something about the building's performance? Because my foolish, ignorant misconception, my first guess would be, oh, a
1: steel building, that feels like it might be cold. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure I'm wrong about that, but tell me why. You are, and you're not the only one with that misperception. The thing with a steel building is it is required to meet the building codes, including the energy code, wherever it's being erected just like any other type of building. So whether you are building a concrete building or a wood frame building or a steel frame building, we're all required to meet the same energy codes and our metal buildings are able to meet them very easily with the proper insulation materials. So the framing of a metal building leaves space uh, within the framing for insulation and for buildings that do require insulation and do require conditioning, heating and uh, air conditioning, They are fully insulated. The insulating materials that are used in a metal building are very similar to what you would see in any structure. It's primarily going to be fiberglass insulation that's backed with some kind of a backer material. However, for metal buildings, those materials are custom fabricated by specialty manufacturers who design them to fit within the framing cavities of a metal building system. One of the nice things about that, David, is that it actually lends to the speed of construction because the insulation products, just like the metal framing for the building, are custom designed and manufactured for that building. So when they get to the job site, they are ready to go. They're ready to be rolled out, laid in place, and off you go on to the next step in the uh, construction process. So for this size of building, you probably can't build anything faster than with this method. Is that correct? That is correct. There's nothing I can think of. One of my competitors might counter me on that or might challenge me on that, but I would challenge their discussion on that as well.
0: So the basic building could go up in how long, typically? You know, medium-sized building. Yeah, it
1: depends on the size and the complexity of the building. I can tell you, I did a presentation last year with one of our building manufacturer members and one of their contractors who erects buildings for them, a company called, uh, well, the two companies, I'll, I'll name them, Butler Manufacturing uh, is the building manufacturer and uh, Span Construction is the contractor. And we did a presentation together at a major retail show. So this is a show for companies who build and develop retail establishments. So you, every major retailer you can think of out there was represented at this show. And, and we actually did a presentation to talk about how these two companies work together to build Costco stores. So they pretty much do all of the Costco stores in North America. Butler makes them. Span erects them. And one of the things that was part of that presentation was the folks from Span showed a timeline of putting up one of these Costco buildings. And these are, you know, hundreds of thousands of square foot buildings. And from the metal first arriving at the job site to fully erected, clad and ready to start interior finishes of the building was about two months time frame. Wow. And Costco gave them the business because they're able to do it that quickly. And that's a huge, huge advantage to Costco to be able to get the construction done that quickly and get that much closer to opening the store and, and bringing in revenue.
0: So within two months, you'd have an erected insulated building with the finishes remain to be completed as well as plumbing and electricity, that kind of thing. Correct, correct. Right. Wow, that's pretty impressive. And the other thing about steel, and I think we'll touch on this also when we get to the topic of roofs, I mean, it really lasts a long time. It is recyclable, which is great. So when it ends up no longer being needed, you can repurpose it easily,
1: but it's really unusually durable, right? It is. And particularly, you know, the part of the steel building that you think about the need for durability would be in the cladding. The structure you expect, it's going to last, right? So the metal framing inside the building, you just expect that's going to last. The cladding is, you know, that's what you see. And uh, when you approach a building from the outside and that's your weather barrier, so that's the stuff that sees the elements. And as long as it's appropriately clad, those steel panels that are used both as the uh, wall framing and the roof framing, they can last, you know, our manufacturers warrant them 40, 50, 60 years, depending on the finish you put on them. And that's just on the finish side of it. You know, the durability of the panel itself will go beyond that. At some point, you know, when you get into those later life years, you may need to repaint the panels, but that's something that's way down the line that, you know, other building materials you would have either replaced or refinished multiple times by then.
0: Before well, while we're on this topic, let's talk about for consumers like myself, the part of the building that you're most concerned about being durable is the roof. I own an old wooden house, and I recently put a metal steel roof on it. And my wife and I are so delighted, not only by how it looks, but by the fact that when they put it up, they said, you know, this could easily last 100 years. I mean, it doesn't wear out like other roof materials. Talk a little bit about the virtues
1: of metal roofs and why your buildings also almost always have metal roofs. Sure. You have to have the vision for the long term, right? For the longevity. And unfortunately, a lot of people are only thinking in the short term. And part of that is just how long are they going to be in that house themselves and not thinking about the next person. But in any event, the economics of it, it makes sense in terms of the longevity of the roof, financial sense, to put a metal roof on, even though it's going to cost you more when you put it on. You can put on an asphalt roof for a half or two-thirds of the price of a metal roof. You probably got quotes when you did yours, and you, you probably saw that. But the thing is, the metal roof is going to last three times as long. The asphalt roof is going to give you a 20-year warranty. The steel roof is going to last you 60 years plus. So in the long term, it's going to give you a better return on your investment. But besides that, it's just you think about that 60-year life, 60-year-plus life of the metal roof, and now you've replaced that asphalt roof twice, so you have three roofs. And what's happened to those two layers of worn-out asphalt roof? Well, they've ended up in a landfill. So from an environmental standpoint, it's a much more uh, sound decision to make to go with a steel roof just because it's going to last longer, and you're putting less waste in a landfill that way.
0: Well, let's talk about another environmental aspect of it, because it's a sort of main theme of this entire series of podcasts is sustainability. At a time when solar energy is becoming so important for so many people, a steel roof is intrinsically better for that. Can you tell us why?
1: Yeah, it is. And I appreciate you bringing that up. So there's a couple of reasons why. Number one is your most common form of a steel roof is what's called a standing seam roof. That's probably what you have on your house. It is. And it's a roof where the metal panels are joined together with a crimping device. And that crimped leg of the uh, joint is above the roof line. So the joint where the individual panels go together is outside of the building envelope. And where that comes into play with solar is that most solar panels, particularly residential, but also commercial, are going to be mounted on the roof of the building or the house. The solar panels, so they mount on the roof on a typical wood frame building with an asphalt roof. The way you would mount that is you're running fasteners through the shingles, through the roof sheathing into the wood framing of the building, of the house, which means you're penetrating that weather barrier that you spent so much time and effort making watertight on top of your house. With a standing seam roof, the advantage you have there is those upright ribs where the two panels are joined make a great place to mount your solar panels. And there are uh, proprietary uh, clipping systems that are designed to clip to those standing seams Mount the roof panels up there without any fasteners going through the roof itself, so you have no penetrations at all. So that's number one on the advantage side. The second, even bigger advantage is, first off, let me ask you this question, David. How long do you think photovoltaic solar panels last? What, like 10 or 15
0: years thereabouts, right?
1: It's longer than that. They're more 30 to 35 years for the solar panels. Okay, well, then I didn't know. Okay, well, thank you for correcting. So solar panels will last you 30 to 35 years. And after that, they'll still continue to generate electricity. It just, you start to diminish the amount that they're able to generate. So you have a 30 to 35 year lifespan product now that you're putting on your roof. And imagine putting that onto either an asphalt roof, right? So asphalt uh, roof shingles for a residential or for a commercial building, what we call a membrane roof, which is a rubber membrane roof, which is probably the most common competitor to a steel roof in a commercial application. So the problem with that is both of those roofs have a lifespan of about 20 years. So you have this membrane roof in a commercial building that's got a 20-year lifespan. You have an asphalt shingle roof that's got a 20-year lifespan. What happens when you have to replace that roof and you have solar panels on top. Well, these solar panels still have another 10 to 15 years of good life in them, but guess what? you got to disassemble them, take them completely off of your roof to replace the shingles or the, uh, the membrane underneath. The advantage of a steel roof is that steel roof has a, as we talked about, 60-year-plus lifespan, so the roof is going to outlast the solar panels, and you don't have that problem of the roof needing to be replaced before the solar panels are ready to go. Well, since we're talking briefly about residential, what is a barn dominium? And tell us more about where that word comes from and what it means. Sure. Barn dominiums, it's a small subset of what our manufacturers produce. Uh, so they are metal building systems, but they're smaller ones and they are used for residential applications. And, and basically what they are, where they came from is folks who live in more, typically more rural areas that have larger properties and they want to have a residence and a, call it a utility building, and I'll come back to that term in a second, but they want to have those in the same structure. They will build what used to be a barn, and now it's been dubbed a barn dominium. So it's a combination building that's got a utility section to it and a residential section. In the utility section, what we're talking about here is think about stables for your horses, if you race horses. Think about garages for somebody who is a car aficionado or a large garage for somebody perhaps who has an RV or mobile home that they want to have a place to house that. So instead of having separate structures built for the two of those, they're built as one single structure and metal buildings lend themselves well to those types of structures. As I mentioned, you can frame them up with the steel. They have a wide open space inside so you can finish off the inside any way you want Metal buildings are very good for doing high ceilings, which a lot of these structures have, where you have a two-story ceiling area for your car area, for your horses, whatever it is. But then you can finish off the residential side of the building just like any other house. So these have become more popular. A number of our manufacturers build these, and they can be dressed out any way you want. If you go online, we actually have an associate member who specializes in these structures. It's a company called Our Barn Dominium Life. You can look them up online and see all kinds of neat designs of the stuff that they do. Very
0: cool. I want to quickly, in just a minute, go through some of these buildings that are made out of steel that might not appear to be. And for those of us who are watching the video, they'll be able to see it, or people can click the links later to look at them. But before we do, I wanted to ask you about a little bit more of the global nature of this industry. Because in my understanding, this kind of construction has been more common in developed countries like the United States. But as the developing world is developing so rapidly, I would assume that this is a method of construction that is almost certainly going to grow very dramatically in Africa, Latin America, parts of Southeast Asia, etc.
1: Am I right on that? You are. And we get inquiries uh, fairly regularly from folks all over the world about joining the association or about getting information or about ordering our uh, technical manuals and guidebooks because we basically wrote the book on metal buildings from the design side and the technical side. We work with those folks. Our association is focused strictly on the domestic market. So uh, folks like that don't really fit for our membership, at least not at this time. But we certainly support them and you know share our wisdom and our our technical know-how with folks from around the world who are getting into that. We have a a member, a fairly new member, they are an associate member of ours so they provide goods and services to the building industry who is out of New Zealand. A company called Donovan Group and and they actually have some proprietary structural components that are used in metal building systems in New Zealand and Australia and that part of the world, and uh, they are trying to bring those components to the U.S. market. So they joined our association as a means of doing that. So they do enough work with metal buildings down there that they develop some proprietary uh, products there and now are, are looking to expand worldwide.
0: But clearly, this is a global growth business, it seems to me. Sure. We're talking global issues. One of the things that is interesting about your industry is that almost all the steel that is used in buildings made in the United States. is itself made
1: in the United States, right? that is correct i would say united states is the biggest chunk north america is almost all of it so yeah so if you expand that out to canadian a bit of mexican production but predominantly it's us based steel it just makes sense from the standpoint of logistics you know our manufacturing companies are here in the states and steel is something that it's costly to ship it so uh, it makes sense to have somebody nearby and luckily we have a robust us steel industry one that is actually uh, on a growth path you know most of the major U.S. steel manufacturers have been expanding and opening up new uh, facilities, new mills, U.S. steel being no exception. And our members uh, are are very appreciative of that because the more uh, mills there are uh, in the States and the more U.S. uh, steel production there is, the better it is for uh, our members and the more choices we have in terms of being able to get steel nearby rather than have to go far away to get it.
0: Right. And of course, it's another key aspect of sustainability that the shorter the distance you have to transport the materials for a building, the more green, in effect, that building is because there's less carbon emitted
1: during the transportation process. Absolutely. And that is actually part of the calculus that goes into what's called LEED certification, which is the green certification of a building. There's a whole program around that. And that is one of the elements when you compute a building's LEED score is how far did those building materials travel to get here. Okay. I have to ask you, what are GERTS and PERLINs? <laughs> I love those words.
0: Both of those words are great.
1: They are great words, girts and purlins. I wouldn't say they are terms exclusively used in the metal building industry, but they're probably, it's the most common place you hear those terms. But basically they are, what we call them secondary framing members. So you have the primary framing members are the big steel columns and rafters. think, you know, steel that's 12, 24, 36 inches deep, big, massive steel sections. Those are the primary frames. Those are made out of heavy steel and they are welded shapes that are uh, welded in our member factories. The purlins and girts, those are lighter gauge steel framing members that span between those heavy steel rafters and columns. So the primary framing members are spaced anywhere from 20, 30, 40 feet apart. In between them are these purlins and girts. The girts are the horizontal framing members that are in the walls. The purlins are the same thing in the roof. So they're I basically uh, very similar to each other. They're cold form, typically galvanized steel members that complete the framing and that give you a platform for mounting all of your wall cladding. Okay, great.
0: Well, Tony, one thing we didn't talk about here. How big is this industry?
1: Yeah. So the metal building industry is about a three to $5 billion a year industry at the manufacturing level. So that's, you know, what our members, what the manufacturers are selling their buildings for. As far as what does that mean to the total construction industry? The finished building is going to be probably five times that. You know, that's anywhere from, uh, 15 to $25 billion industry of built buildings. Our members build about 30,000 buildings a year. They manufacture about 30,000 buildings a year. And that represents somewhere in the neighborhood of a half a billion square feet of enclosed space. So that gives you a sense of the size. What percentage of total construction of this kind of non-residential buildings does that represent? So the low-rise non-residential buildings, we make up about a third of it. It's a big portion of it, and it's the largest chunk of it by any one single building type. So the folks who we compete against in the concrete world and the wood world are a smaller percentage of that pie than we are.
0: Maybe one thing I didn't ask you was, what are some of the most common misconceptions about this form of building?
1: So, you know, we've touched on some of those already, David. The number one is that every metal building system is that steel warehouse that you see on the side of the highway. While we do a lot of those buildings and our product is the best fit for those types of buildings, that is by far not the only way you can configure or use a metal building system. And I think some of the photographs that we looked at today answer a lot of uh, those questions on how do you use a metal building system to do something that looks different than that. You can see all the different shapes and sizes and finishes and uses of buildings that are all metal building systems and they're great applications. The other misconception that folks have is that uh, metal, because It is conductive of temperature, so heat and cold, that metal buildings would be hard to insulate and that metal buildings would not be able to meet the energy codes. And that couldn't be further from the truth. As I stated before, we are required to meet the same energy codes as any building type. And we build our metal buildings everywhere around the country in all 50 states all across North America. And quite honestly, our members export them all over the world as well. And we can meet the energy codes in any of those places where those buildings are erected. I
0: understand these buildings are unusually good in inclement weather. Is that
1: correct? It is correct. The term that we use and that's commonly used in the industry is resiliency. So it's a building's ability to withstand weather and to continue doing the job it was built for, which is housing, the business, the entity that exists there, that lives there, and and continue on. Metal buildings are very good at that. The strength of steel is a big part of that. The steel cladding is also a big part of that. One of the interesting things, you know, speaking of resiliency, uh, and this is more on the residential side that you're seeing this shift, if you go into areas of the country that are more prone to hurricanes, you will see that when particularly homes are being repaired and rebuilt, that the most common roofing type you're going to find on those buildings is going to be steel roofing. And there's a reason for that. And you can see lots and lots of examples online where areas where hurricanes have come through and you'll see tons and tons of damage to all the other roofs in an area. And then you'll see this perfectly intact steel roof among destruction. And it's just the nature and the resiliency of steel and of steel roofing products that has gotten folks to realize that's the way to go in those areas. And the other folks who are all behind this, it might be surprising to hear, but it's the insurance companies because they know if you put a steel roof on that building, it's less likely they're going to have to pay a claim on it. So they make it advantageous to you if you put a steel roof on a building in those areas.
0: Well, we know that high winds and weird extreme weather is now possible anywhere so it makes me very glad that i have a steel roof well thank you again so much to tony bucco general manager of the steel building manufacturers association and i really enjoyed this conversation today thanks so much Tony.
1: thank you david and i appreciate you having me this was great
0: Steel Stories is brought to you by US Steel. To find out more about our sustainable steel solutions and how our best for all strategy allows us to re-envision the future alongside our customers, visit www.ussteel.com. Search for US Steel in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts or anywhere else podcasts are found. And make sure to hit subscribe so you never miss a future episode. On behalf of the team here at US Steel, thanks for listening.